It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are ably assisted at the board by our Saturday producer. Of course, that would be tall guy, Nathan. How are you doing, Nathan? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne. And I don't think there's a better time in the world right now to resurrect some Wendy's commercials. Where is the beef? Where's the beef? Now, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, man. Well, just like we had a few weeks back about the gas pipelines causing issues and gas shortages oh, on the East Coast. Now the uh, yeah. beef pipeline's been uh, hacked yeah. into with ransomware. And just it's really wow. either hard to find beef somewhere or they're charging you more. And it's a struggle to get to it. Well, you know, this would be a time to go vegan. There you go. Right. I don't, uh, you <laughs> know, God bless the sign, vegans. Here's your sign. We have vegans that listen to the show. They are our friends by default, if for no other reason. And, uh, you know, no, I'm not going to turn vegan. Although I have been tempted from time to time to look seriously at vegetarianism. Well, when beef skyrockets, that's a good time to look at it more seriously. You look for the alternatives. You mm -hmm. know, and I think this is so interesting, this hacking that is going on in our different systems, oil, beef. Um, I, I think that our infrastructure has been pretty vulnerable. And this is now getting highlighted with these various hacks that are going on. And... Um, Right, because we're used to seeing yeah. things like, you know, we had, was it the McAfee antivirus software and stuff like that? Another, I mean, I'm not saying that was the ransomware, but, you know, there's people, they right. will put in viruses intentionally on your computer. And what right. happens is they say, all right, it's here. We can remove it, but you have to pay us a absurd amount just to get rid of it because we know how to get rid of it or we have the right. capability, but you don't. And they put on a bunch of threats. And now it's just really weird that stuff like, you know, beef is getting yeah. affected. Like, it's yeah. not even, beef is not technology, really. But yet it can still be hacked into. Well, and the one that concerns me probably the most is our electrical grid. Because I've been hearing for a long time that our electrical grid is very vulnerable. And look what happened in Texas, where they lost electricity at a really hot time and no, they had no air conditioning and people really suffered greatly for not having electricity mm -hmm. in Texas. All that snow they had and just everything froze because it's in a place where it's not prepared for that type of weather because they never experience, you know, right. that kind of cold. Right. Right. So very interesting. Very interesting. Where's the beef, huh? Yeah, well, where the uh, heck is it? I want to say where the heck happened to our guest today, because mm -hmm. we had somebody scheduled who wrote to us and said, looking forward to Saturday. And now we he's MIA, missing in action. Can't find our guest. UFO. We were, This is like the battle of the initials. MIA, UFO, UAP. UAP. Which is, it's which, interesting because yeah. the Defense Department when they refer to these anomalous experiences and the evidence that goes with, they refer to unidentified aerial phenomena. And right. one of the motivations for using that alternative acronym is not to be associated with the UFO crowd because there's too many tinfoil hats in the room, apparently. <laughs> it, that is interesting that they went to using UAP. And now for people who are in ufology, they use the two of those things interchangeably, I guess, between UFO and UAP. But you it know, all yeah. means the same thing. It means there's something going on generally in the sky, although it also in the water. Uh, there's something going on that doesn't seem like the technology is ours. And, and you and I got pretty interested in this when we saw footage what was it a week ago or two weeks ago when it was first coming out that the uh, defense department was releasing uh, footage taken film footage taken i believe it was by the navy if i'm correct you, i believe so yes of of craft that were operating in ways that we currently do not have the technology for now of course a skeptic as recently as this morning on MSNBC, 
one of our presets, as it were, on our, our TV. There we had Bill Nye, the science guy, a Seattle favorite there, who is extremely valuable in the conversation about climate science. And I hold him in high regard for that. Not so much a fan of his skepticism, which seems to be thoroughly ingrained with Bill Nye about the subject of UFOs or UAPs or whatever letters you want to use to designate the phenomenon. I just, I, I don't like to run into people or even watch them on TV or listen to them on the radio who greet everything with a heavy dose of sarcasm as the implied question seems to be coming from such people. How can you believe such poppycock? Well, well there are some pilots who are on training missions. You know, right. I wouldn't call what they experienced poppycock. Well, let me, let me just say something along the opposite lines of that. I was sorry that it was Bill Nye because I already know where Bill Nye stands. He's not open-minded. Um, you have your debunkers, you have your true skeptics, and you have your open-minded uh, people who may also be skeptical. And what I found so interesting, and the reason you and I said we should do a, another UFO show, which we haven't done in about three and a half years. That was the last one. Uh, we, we've gotten on to other things besides UFOs, but it became mainstream. It was on all the major stations. And I wasn't getting the smirking and the sarcasm and the yuck yuck that went along with the story that you usually do. And so, you know, what what do you do? What is the change there when you're now seeing it on ABC and NBC and Fox and on the all same the, day, all the major stations covering it, but they're not uh putting it down and talking about the tinfoil hat crowd. There is the distinction. And it, it seems to be working on both sides of the political spectrum as well and having an interest in what this is and do we need to defend ourselves? Can you imagine something? a political climate, speaking of climate science, political climate where bipartisanship is finally attained over the subject of UFOs? <laughs> <laughs> it would just about take that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I'm remarking to myself how unusual it is that an estimable show, what would 40 years or so or so in running, like 60 minutes, was willing to take a serious look at this. Right, and serious look is what I'm talking about. Um, to treat it seriously, and we said, gosh, we haven't talked about UFOs in a long time. Quite a while. So. Why don't we bring our friend Sam on and talk us some UFOs? And in the meantime, um, you have an article. I, I've got about several that. articles from which I can read. Folks, if you're interested in this stuff, I can report to you. Sorry about the no-show with the guest. It happens once in a while. Do I hate that? Yeah, I do. But here we are nonetheless with airtime to fill. And so I'm going to, to uh, read some articles by reputable news organizations and see uh, what you think. out there. I mean, if you want to call us up and offer an opinion, I'm more than willing to listen to it at this point. But no smirking. Just give me your, your best scientific, not pseudoscientific, but your best rational opinion or outlook or ask any questions and we would love to entertain your call. So in the meantime, if Sam does call us and then he will jump into the conversation forthwith. But here we have, uh, this is under the category of science. There, there's this one article here, I'm looking to source it here, uh, www.dw.com. Anybody familiar? I'm not. DW.com, so, and they, uh, they tout themselves with the slogan, Made for Minds. Okay, we all possess one. Appears to be sourced in Germany. So let me go ahead and read some of this article to you, and that will kickstart us here. Not the whole thing if it's really long. And there are a bunch of pictures and maybe even video, so I don't want to go there. Okay. But let me read the following. Okay. U.S. UFO report boldly goes where no one has gone before. A task force will share data it collected on unusual flight phenomena with Congress as UFO enthusiasts rejoice. But a German expert with decades of research under his belt doesn't believe aliens have ever been to Earth. 
If you have an interest in UFOs, unidentified flying objects for the uninitiated, and that's what some guy that lives in a hut in Borneo that never heard of this, <laughs> nevertheless, I digress, and have always wondered what exactly the U.S. government and intelligence services know about them, June may be a big month for you. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, UAPs, task force, it's a thing. How about that? Parenthetically, Harry Reid had a lot to do with this. He wanted to secure funding for this, and he did. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, a group within the U.S. Department of Defense, DOD, is set to present an unclassified report to Congress this month, and that probably means that information, sensitive information that was classified before is now declassified. That's a good sign. Set to present an unclassified report to Congress this month about what knowledge Pentagon officials have gathered on UAPs and how they are dealing with the data they have managed to collect. UAPs is the term military officials and researchers who don't want to be associated with the expression UFO use when talking about objects in the sky that fly without any visible form of propulsion in patterns that defy our knowledge of physics. So yes, the U.S. Department of Defense will tell U.S. representatives and senators what they have learned about unidentified flying objects in U.S. airspace. And the public is going to hear all about it, though there could be a delay between the presentation in Congress and the release of the full report to the general public. No hushed conversations on secret military sites, which conspiracy theorists are sure have been going on since a UFO purportedly crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in the summer of 1947, but a straightforward report. Avi Loeb, professor of science at Harvard University and director for the of the Institute for Theory and Computation within the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. How do you get that on a business card? Told DW what makes this such a momentous occasion. And this is a quote from Avi Loeb. This new report is different from past discussions on unidentified flying objects, UFOs, or unidentified aerial phenomena, UAP, in that it involved documented evidence collected by military personnel based on detection by multiple instruments, radar, infrared cameras, optical cameras, Loeb wrote in an email. The information presented in the report is likely to indicate, quote, the possible existence of objects which behave in ways that cannot be explained by the technologies we possess, unquote. Well, thank you, Dr. Loeb. Now, I love it when people are semantically precise. They don't take a leap of logic. They don't use sarcasm, certainly not in an, any kind of academic discussion. I always appreciate people who are willing to confine themselves to following as elegantly as possible the trail of evidence and to ask questions that are serious in nature instead of trying to make someone look silly who has an interest in the subject matter. There have been just hundreds or thousands of these reports over the years, and many of them by very credible witnesses, uh, a lot of military people, a lot of pilots. And they say that, you know, pilots are your best witnesses because they are familiar with what is going on in the sky. If it's a twinkling star, if it's a satellite, if it's something, they know the difference between what they're usually seeing in the sky when they're flying and something which is unusual. And so you've got thousands of these reports from credible sources over many, many years. But I think what is interesting about this particular one is as you pointed out, the three different technological sources, they didn't even mention the, the fact that they were seen by human beings. They said there was the optical, the radar, and the infrared. So when you have those three things that are all in agreement with one another, and you have eyewitnesses on top of that, uh, you know, I think that's very strong evidence for something. It was last night that when we were watching this news and they, they played it on practically every news show where they said that um, the Chinese said, no, that's not us. And 
you know, we don't feel like the Russians have that kind of technology. So we see no evidence of who, that. So I we mean, wouldn't assume that who, who else on planet Earth would be able to have the technology that we're looking at. And in one of the films, as you pointed out, Carrie, this craft went directly into the ocean and did not crash. It didn't it explode. It didn't crash, but it came out it, it, of the ocean. It yes. exited 60 miles downrange. downrange. I mean, yes. Hello? Yeah. To, to have the thing hit the water at that kind of velocity, and I'm not sure if it's the specific sighting or not, but during this skein of sightings, the evidence indicates, as best they could measure, that one of these strange craft was able to descend 80,000 feet in less than a second. Now, are you telling me that we can put something in the air that can manage that and not splinter into smithereens with everyone on board being killed instantly? And, yes. And then, it's not survivable. And go into the water and come out of the water. No. And, and fly yes. on a trajectory that, that appears to show yeah. intelligent control. Yeah. Oh, that's well, the Russians. Have you ever have you ever booked a flight on Aeroflot? <laughs> no, nor would I. Yeah. Nor would I. So uh, when I see a guy like Bill Nye, whom I otherwise enjoy watching very much, I do get irritated with the man because I think he doesn't take this with the appropriate seriousness, nor the people who do. We don't need the snide. Well, if that is a technology that was developed here on Earth, we certainly want to know who has that kind of technology and how they are able to do it. I mean, when you when you think about it descending at 80,000 feet, perhaps it doesn't have a, a human being in it. You know, maybe it's just a, a craft that that is not manned, that doesn't have a human. But that, that's but, fair. But, that's a but fair then, comment. But then, you know, who on planet Earth has the capability of doing that technology if it's not your big three? If it's not United States, China, and Russia, who's doing that? And and so you know, I don't know who's going to be searching for that answer, but you want to eliminate any other possibilities before you say it is not of this earth. And right, and I wouldn't want to jump to the conclusion that it's not of this earth. The important thing is that people in the highest echelon of our government are no longer willing, no longer perhaps able to flatly deny any possibility that extraterrestrial intelligence and a knowledge of physics that eludes our grasp at this point in our evolution is playing out in our skies over U.S. airspace, no less. Right, right. I want to read now from, if you have anything else to say, you say jump in any time. Nathan, I don't know. You're not wearing a tinfoil hat. Maybe you have no interest in this subject, but you can, <laughs> but you can always jump in as well. And you will not be treated snidely. We say this with love. <laughs> no, Here. go ahead and read on. Then we'll talk some more. Okay. Now, how about uh, the newspaper of record, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Times. <laughs> and that's pretty cool, isn't it? Here's an article in the New York Times, and it's not, look at those crazy UFO knots. No, the headline of this story is, U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology in flying objects, but can't rule it out either. That's a huge step forward in a public discussion of this subject. A new report concedes that much about the observed phenomena remains difficult to explain, including their acceleration, as well as ability to change direction and submerge. Yeah. Just and then they come out again. Yeah. And they go into the water and they come out of the water intact. Dateline Washington, and this is from June 3, 2021. This article byline, by the way, co-written by Julian E. Barnes and Helene Cooper. American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomena witnessed by Navy pilots, good ears there, Suzanne, witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft, but they still cannot explain the unusual movements that have mystified scientists and the military, according to senior administration officials briefed on the findings of a highly anticipated government report. The report determines that a vast majority 
of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced US government technology, the officials said. That determination would appear to eliminate the possibility that Navy pilots who reported seeing unexplained aircraft might have encountered programs the government meant to keep secret. We'll return to that in a few moments. But that is about the only conclusive finding in the classified intelligence report, the officials said. And while a forthcoming unclassified version expected to be released to Congress by June 25, will present few other firm conclusions. Senior officials briefed on the intelligence conceded that the very ambiguity of the findings meant the government could not definitively rule out theories that the phenomena observed by military pilots might be alien spacecraft. Again, this is a huge leap to even let that into the conversation. It's remarkable. Without, without a, the smirk. Without the smirk. Yeah. That's why all the networks, that's why 60 Minutes got involved. That, that venerable program didn't think it was too silly to touch or that it was going to harm their reputation to bring on these people who had experiences, including a, a female pilot who didn't know what she was looking at on this training mission, but she had an up-close personal encounter that she was willing and apparently allowed to share. Americans' long-running fascination with UFOs has intensified in recent weeks in anticipation of the release of the government report. Former President Barack Obama further stoked the interest when he was asked last month about the incidents on the Late Late Show with James Corden on CBS. <clears throat> Here's a quote. What is true, and I'm actually being serious here, Mr. Obama said, is that there is footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. Here's a point. Barack Obama would have had access to classified intelligence way above the pay grade of Bill Nye, who was a contractor with the government at one time, I believe the Defense Department. So when it comes to that, and he was able to just chuckle about it because he was saying something sensitive. This is a former president of the United States revealing this. Nevertheless, he delivered that earth-shaking news as far as I'm concerned. There is footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. And one last paragraph from this article in the New York Times. The report concedes that much about the observed phenomena remains difficult to explain, including their acceleration, as well as ability to change direction and submerge. One possible explanation that the phenomena could be weather balloons, that again, that the phenomena could be weather balloons or other research balloons does not hold up in all cases, the official said, because of changes in wind speed at the times of some of the interactions. Fascinating article. The whole story has people talking around the world, really, because it's coming from the United States of America. This is all to the good. Right, right. And I... Can without the sarcasm and without the smirk. So I'm, I'm happy to see this being taken seriously. And it's grounded in a, in a serious investigation at the highest level of, of our government, which separates it from the half fact, half fantasy. And well, it would be a third if you included science fiction, but people bring that up. So you've got uh, available, observable facts, meeting fantasy notions, meeting science fiction, as in the representation as fact of that which is fictional. All of that attends the usual flap, and that's the word for it, going back to at least the 1960s, maybe earlier, that a UFO flap involves intense public interest and journalistic scrutiny, scientific and skeptical scrutiny as well. This is something different. This is, oh, I saw this weird thing in the sky. No, we're talking about Defense Department footage and information that had been classified and is now declassified. That is extraordinary. This is going to be quite a summer of the saucers, you might say. It is. It is. And we have located our guest. So let's go ahead and take our one and only break of this hour. And when we return, we will do a half hour with Sam Maranto. Stay with us. You are listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. 
Befriend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell, and we are very happy to bring on for the second half of our show, our guest scheduled for today, Samuel J. Moranto is the state director of the Illinois State Chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, also called MUFON. Sam is an investigative researcher best known for his work on the Tinley Park mass sightings of 2004 and the Chicago O'Hare Gate C-17 incident of 2006. He does lots of media work and he is going to fill in with anything that Gary and I might have left out. So welcome to Manson Mitchell. Sam, glad you're with us now. Oh my gosh, live from a uh, parking lot in Lamont, Illinois. All right. Fabulous, Lamont. So sorry, I uh, came in late. We're delighted to have you with us, Sam. There, uh, We've been talking about the New York Times reporting, the interview with a, a couple of highly placed individuals. One was actually a pilot, but she, she, if she wasn't highly placed, she certainly was well placed to have the event of a lifetime on 60 Minutes recently. Uh, Suzanne and I watched that, and I, I think both our jaws were on the floor. It was really astonishing stuff. But I also, early in this hour, made reference, and I have to, to do the man justice by quoting him, a German researcher, Hans Werner Peiniger, became interested in UFOs at the age of 15 and has researched them for almost 50 years now. The head of the Society for Research into the UFO Phenomenon, GEP, in Germany says, that the overwhelming majority of sightings, however, have natural or man-made explanations. Quote, since 1972, we've looked into roughly 4,500 sightings reported to the GEP by witnesses, Peiniger told this website, DW, and he continues, there are only around 5% that we couldn't find any comprehensible explanation for. 
My first reaction, San Maranto, out of 4,500 or so sightings, 5% is a significant number. Uh, the number is actually correct. That's about 90 uh, some percent are explainable. And the percentile of unexplainable really falls into the category of about 5%. And so that is correct. But that 5% is something that's truly unusual. So um, when you're looking for gold, you're going through a lot of tonnage to get ounces. And that's troy ounces. So the bottom line is, that is representing the facts, but we need to look at those truly unusual cases versus the volume of unexplained of uh, IFOs, which would be identifiable objects. And, and of course, that would be expected. Sam, this is the question that I wanted to ask you more than any other question during this interview. Gary and I were really stunned at how this story was treated when we saw it a week or so ago, right when we called you and said, please come on and talk about this. And yesterday it was running in every hour of the news on several stations. And my question to you is, do you feel like this is being treated differently for the first time? Yes. Um, I think it is giving, it has been given a degree of respect and seriousness that it hasn't been given since 1952 uh, with the uh, press um, meeting with the generals pertaining to the uh, flights over Washington, D.C. And by the way, it wasn't just two or three nights. There were 90-some incursions of, of unidentified flying objects in July of 1952. And um, many people don't even understand the history of how long this phenomena has been with it, with us. So the bottom line is, yes, you are 100% right. There is a change, and it is seeming to be far more serious. It's all over uh, the media, and this is taken seriously. Gary and I were saying, you know, when we have heard these things before, somebody has been reporting it with a big old smirk on their face, and then there was that time when somebody dressed up like an alien in Texas and said, you know, oh, I'm here, I'm from outer space. And they were really making it ridiculous. That was in Arizona. Oh, Arizona. The, Thank Governor you, Symington, who has since become, if not a true believer, certainly an honest investigator in his own right, was one who set that up. And it was, it was chuckled at, but I heard the groans among the press and the audience that day, Sam. But I'm not hearing the groaning, and I'm not seeing the smirking, Sam, and that seems different to me. The ridicule and sarcasm, which, of course, is the best form of censorship, has somehow been uh, wiped away, at least with those people who have anything resembling a brain and are informed with this uh, subject. So the bottom line is there is something out there. It's been out there. It's been kept quiet for 70-plus years. And, uh, you know, basically put away on the back burner. Nobody wants to talk about it in government. And in fact, because of that, it's been shuffled away into the hands of contractors where there is absolutely no government oversight. You can't FOIA contractors in private uh, industry. So they did the right thing uh, when it comes to shuffling this away and hiding it back in 1947 when they created the national security state. What's next, Sam? What, what do you think is going to happen next with this? I think there's going to be a, there's going to be a couple of things. First of all, they're going to try to quell it. That's the first thing they're going to do because it's really out of hand. And I think this new piece from the Washington Post, uh, uh, Helen uh, Cooper wrote uh, one uh, Brooke was one of the authors, I'm one of the reporters. Uh, but originally, the December of 2017, that article was uh, Cooper, Blumenthal, and of course, uh, uh, Kane. And they did a very good job. This one seems to start out a little bit different when they said that they, uh, they've done the investigation and they found basically no evidence of, um, of alien 
or extraterrestrial life when it comes to any of this technology. Well, when you read on, it also states that they cannot discount the possibility of an extraterrestrial uh, intelligence being involved in this. So basically what they did is they put the story out with a teaser to basically quell so many of the people that are fed up with this. Yet, when you read through the story, you see, oh my gosh, there is another part to the story. And that is, yet they cannot basically discount the fact that there may be an extraterrestrial hand or whatever involved in this. So I think the important thing is that it's being addressed as a national security issue, and that seems to be playing out very poorly in the uh, ufological society, as you may know. Uh, Dr. Greer has a group that is uh, based on the premise that all of the extraterrestrial contact and involvement uh, here on Earth is that of peace, and that if there were to be anything else beyond that, we would have been gone a long time ago because of the technology. But we don't know that. The other component is the possibility of it just being, uh, say, for instance, a UAP being within airspace and just by its very presence causing a, a mishap that may end up in a skirmish with a country. Say, for instance, it's there, it, it, uh, it uh, uh, affects the radar, it jams the radar, which is considered an act of war, and then all of a sudden, let's say, for instance, a pilot fires on it. It fires a missile, and it just so happens that object leaves, but there's a commercial plane from another country in back of it, and it hits that, and all of a sudden we have a international incident that may end up into a, a war, something that could escalate. So there is very sound reasoning for uh, a, a concern from a national security point of view that doesn't even take uh, much, much thought to figure out. It has to do something more with um, the fact that it's in the airspace and it may cause problems. Wow, I never thought about that. Let me tie in what I heard from Bill Nye, the science guy, being interviewed by Ali Velshi in an interview that largely had to do with, with climate change, but, you know, Ali couldn't resist bringing up this, uh, this hot issue, which is going to get hotter as summer wears on, I believe. Yes. Bill Nye said that if these are aliens, then why would they not paint their craft sky blue in order, presumably, to evade detection? If the sky is blue and they know that, they would paint their, or they could, paint their craft sky blue and not be visible. And I thought about that for a minute, and I let the, the cogs just in the wheels just turn in my head, and I said to Suzanne, well, wait a second. <laughs> Here on Earth, now everybody knows, we have stealth technology allowing uh, some of our most advanced planes, fighter jets, to evade detection by radar. That's why they were built that way. But you don't see any of them painted sky blue. We, we on Earth don't paint our craft sky blue. Well, some of them are. They paint the bottom blue, um, you know, like World War II, some of the planes. But the fact is it's an imbecilic response or question. Um, you stop and consider one of the components as far as how we realize these are very exotic uh, pieces of machinery. One of them is cloaking. These things do cloak. They know how to cloak, and they cloak. The the technology that they're using with the flare one with the spy the spy one software the uh, the uh, excuse me not flare the um uh s uh the new advanced radar system that they're using uh, has a, has a system called spy one and that's a very advanced technology and when they use the flare technology they're picking up the signatures of variations in temperature of the object versus the surrounding so they can cloak themselves or they're pretty much invisible. And we have reports of, of craft like that. And again, like you pointed out, we have this technology. It isn't something uh, that really 
is that unknown. But the quality of it that they have is far better than ours. Far better. Well, here's a question for you. If they are have the ability to cloak, if they have the ability to not be seen, to be virtually invisible, why did they allow themselves to be seen by so many um, military craft? Well, now I think more so than ever, the technology is there. The other thing is they may not give a hoot. Um, Thank you. you Thank you. That's exactly what occurred to me. My my professionally amateur opinion is that if if you can treat our best defenses the way a cat deals with a toy, you know, a little rubber ball or a rubber mouse, if that's how they see our attempts to fend off any incursions from outer space, what do they care? You know, they don't care. Wouldn't waste the paint. Yeah, these things move with impunity. They go where they want, when they want. The bottom line is, um, you know, we are dealing with technology that outpaces us. uh, As Cahill, uh, I think that was very good. The one gentleman said that, you know, they outpace us by 100 to 1,000 years easily. The bottom line is they don't have to be concerned about uh, being engaged. Though some have been shot down, apparently, and um, maybe it's it's the what we're seeing is is a higher caliber of um, technology than what has been engaged with in the past. That's always a possibility too. We haven't had a a real uh, honest to goodness um, informational, let's say, debriefing or briefing on on this technology to the point where you know, well, here here it is. Here's the technology. That, in 1950, but the same as they have a better technology now. We don't know. Or is it the same that it's been around since uh, Ezekiel? You know, the thing is, we are dealing with advanced technology that's outpaced humanity throughout our history, throughout our history. And they're only looking in the last couple of years. And you and I know this goes back, you know, since the advent of, of history for, for humanity. So they don't care. You know, one time, Sam, when when I was just thinking about this and Gary and I were talking about um, the advancement of technology, we usually bring up the story of how we just had Kitty Hawk, you know, like a little over 100 years ago. And look how far we came in 100 years. But um, when you're saying their technology is possibly a hundred to maybe a thousand years. I mean, what if it was 10,000 years? What if, what if they are, are so well beyond where we are that, you know, for them to come to earth would just be, you know, a little vacation jaunt. I mean, space tourism, nothing serious. I mean, they're not necessarily looking to take over the planet or, kill off humanity or anything like that, but they might not take us seriously. We're, we're not so advanced. And that's true too. There is Sam, I'll just jump in to say that the average by, I mean, the average academic biologist or botanist, they have their protocols. And if they're in an unsafe place, they will take those precautions, but they don't do a lot more than that. They're more concerned with the science, with doing their own form of investigation. And so uh, if aliens there be, and if we are talking about extraterrestrial intelligence and the intelligent operation of these craft, it seems to me, Sam, and correct me if I'm wrong, that these beings, and again, if such there be, invading our skies, they would have figured out by now that if you have the kind of technology that can come in at incredible speed, hitting the ocean, submerging, and then re-emerging intact, there's one thing they've noticed. Our pilots don't pursue them. <laughs> Absolutely true. They they not evade, and there isn't an issue. That is just the way it is. Uh, and I think that today, it's, I think there is an advancement when it comes to their technology versus, let's say, 1952, where we did knock down some of these craft, where we did have uh, various technologies that seem to, um, uh, let's say, ordnance that seem to work when it come to when it came to uh, 
knocking some of these things down. And it happened. We had an, a very serious problem starting in uh, the end of the 40s into the 60s where we had we actually had a shoot-down order. Now, that was actually, you, you could actually find that information in old newspapers. You don't put that in the paper or headline in the paper if you're shooting down weather balloons. And you don't have to paint them uh, blue to, to make them <laughs> uh, get lost in the sky either. So, I mean, all it takes a little bit of uh, of a paper, you know, research to find out, my gosh, this has been a problem for a long time. And it's just been taken serious again because it is serious and we need to look at it. But we also need some other answers. We need to at least reveal the fact that we have technology and beings out here that may not be from this planet or may be, may be here on this planet, may be from another dimension. What we're seeing with this technology is the fact that another very unusual thing is the fact that it knew, say, for instance, in the case of um, um, Fravor, when he was in the F-18, he was there, and this thing took off so quick when it came up. He was doing a spiral, and, and it was coming up, and he was going down to the, to the water level. Well, not that low, but and this thing starts coming up, and it's it's basically mirroring his his uh, his conduct. And all of a sudden, when they got back up, this thing just shoots off. But the weird part about it is, it it was it was at the cap point where they were supposed to have their uh, exercise at, which was 60 miles away, and it knew where they were supposed to to go. And that wasn't public knowledge. How did it know this? Did it read the um, read his his uh his mind did it read the technology that was the information within their um their uh programs how did it do that in other words we're dealing with something that that invades not just our airspace but our technology and quite possibly even the interactions in inside our brains in other words we're dealing with something that is far more frightening than they could even um, spell out to the press. That is crucial as well. And with interdepartmental reticence to communicate because people get very proprietary with sensitive information, this is something that Bill and I was talking about this morning. At one point he said the NSA doesn't talk about any of this stuff with anyone. Okay, granted, yep. they do not. If they're not going to talk about his perspective was if this is American technology, which he attributes, uh, a conclusion he attributes to the proper use of critical thinking skills. He, he emphasized that we need to use critical thinking skills here. If the NSA does not talk to anybody about this, first of all, who says that they know what it is better than anyone else? And if it turns out that the evidence at least forces us to admit the possibility of extraterrestrial incursions into U.S. airspace, it's not something they're going to tell us anyway. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's the bottom line is only so much information can be placed out there because it's, it's the job of the government to do one thing, to protect us. That's it. Not to inform us, protect us. The, where it comes into play where some information has to be divulged is in the the legal aspects of what had gone on in the past and may still be going on that may be um, that may be illegal or may be questionable so that's going to be up to the IG to make that determination now if there's going to be other suits beyond that point the funny thing is, that information can be subpoenaed. Would it be released? I don't know. It may be released because what's only going to be available to the public is that information that has gone through at least two forms of evaluations uh, as far as uh, not being something of a national security issue. Sam, when you consider the witnesses, and, and let's talk about the credible witnesses right now, the people in the military, I would guess that this has gone across the spectrum, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Um, they've all seen it. 
the CIA has been involved with UFOs. Where do you think that, I mean, how is all this information getting channeled to one location or is it, is it throughout the various um, military services? It's 18 agencies, some of which, in fact, many of which the average citizen has never even heard of. Uh, all of them, all the information is going to be funneled to one place. And the funny, because it's got to be sorted and evaluated, like I was mentioning, at least two levels. Then the funny thing is, um, there isn't enough time to do this. It's going to take a, at least a year to start putting maybe a plan as far as each department, how they're going to go about doing it. What we're going to get this month will probably just be a request for more time, maybe something to the effect of uh, the IG requesting some sort of uh, schedule that certain things be um uh, you know, be delivered. But beyond that, I'm, I can't, I can't see anything too much more than, than that. And, uh, it's going to upset a lot of people, but in the same token, I think, that, I think we have to be realistic that we're dealing with a tremendous amount of documentation that has gone on for many, many years, many years. And, um, where all this really sits, is outside the scope of congressional oversight. Most of it's in contractors for the real deep, uh, the real deep information as far as any uh, reverse technology or major advancements stem from any recoveries. It's not within the scope of, of these agencies, a very little amount. But, but when it comes to these agencies, the monitoring, uh, possibly some other military-related components, and, and things that I can't even imagine um, maybe in those. So who knows what, what's going to come out in the end, but evidently it's more than, than basically the silence of the last 70 years. Well, well said, may, maybe Sam. this will die out a little bit. Maybe it will increase. Maybe it will die out and something else will come up. Maybe this is just the start of this being taken more seriously and there will be other events but in the meantime, Sam, we are coming to the conclusion of this hour and want to thank you for joining us. Late though it was, we were happy to have you on and hear what you have to say. And as this develops, we will have you back to talk again about it. We absolutely will. And I promise you, Sam, you won't be late next time because as we approach airtime, you will be meet, met at the door by three men in black. They'll make sure <laughs> that you're escorted to the, the nearest Zoom and you'll participate in the meeting. And we'll get into this again when this report comes out. We really want to get your views, your perspective when that happens. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned. Jupiter Rising coming up and join us again next week. From the skies to the cosmos, astrology. Eileen Grimes, always our friend, and we're glad to have her on KKNW, where we hope you will stay tuned. AM 1150. Have a great weekend, everyone.